This is episode three of Talent Jackie. Thanks for tuning in to episode three of Talent Jockey. This is Sean Kelly, your host, where we talk about giving and providing advice and insight to job seekers and recruiters and hiring managers about the world of talent acquisition. Um, and I say talent acquisition as in the whole process, because I love the word process when we're talking about people. Uh, I really don't. But um, giving advice into to those three parties so we can all come to a happy ending, which is uh, a satisfied uh, worker, em- employee, and then you have a satisfied hiring manager and the recruiter's happy because they brought them all together. So uh, thanks for tuning in. Today we're going to talk about resumes. We're going to try to get into some formatting, kind of wacky because we're not going to do it visually, but I think I can convey enough information to get you started on making a really good resume and what entails and even outlining some things that should not go on a resume. Before we get into that, uh, just a brief announcement, which kind of tunes into this, uh, to the website and this episode. I set up a resources page on the website and what I'm going to do is put some resources on there for job seekers and then a page for hiring managers and a page for recruiters. And each page of those separate audiences will be able to access different uh, resources. Now it is a work in progress because I, I didn't, you know, come up with 30 types of resources and throw them up there before the show was launched. But I would go back and check on occasion and I'll update in the blog entry section of the RSS feed or the website and how that's coming along. So currently what I've done is I have a section for job seekers and resume resources. So in that section are currently three templates. Um, one is a chronological general. One is a chronological skill specific. And then one is functional. And so they're templates um, that I've actually used to some degree. The skills one I've seen used, um, especially if you have a skill-centric background, um, and I say like uh, application, web developers, IT, or information technology individuals, are very, you know, they have, a, they have a certain set of skills, as, as Liam Neeson would say. Um, but there's a section that kind of goes down the side of the page that where they can list the different operating systems and platforms. So if you have a very skill centric intensive background, then that might 
help you out in there. Um, the chronological general is really that it lists, um, it does the, a lot of the formatting, which is really nice. Feel free to use those. I created them in Google Docs and download them, downloaded them. And when I downloaded them, they convert them into a Microsoft file extension format. So I'm hoping that when you open it in Microsoft Word, which I do not have currently, um, that they will open and every the formatting will stay in place um, or be very minor to tweak. But check those out. I also have um, for the job seeker a spreadsheet, work spreadsheet, workbook um, done in an Excel equivalent that will allow you to keep track of where you applied, when you applied, what action you submitted. So did you submit, a, you know, are you in the resume stage, submitted resume, interview face-to-face with HR, face-to-face with a hiring manager, um, contact name, a notes field, you know, what the current status is, pending, submitted, um, you know, waiting, what have you. And some of that's tweakable because I have some drop downs and you can submit your own kind of verbiage for some of those drop downs on the second page of that workbook and they should work just fine. So certainly feel free to download those for free, um, manipulate them if you want. It's really just a resource for you to use and take advantage of any way you want to um, by any means. And I'm not looking for any credit. I'm just giving you something that may help you out. All right. Let's get into resumes. So quick disclaimer, what I'm about to tell you, take what you want and apply it. And if it doesn't work for you, then disregard it. But you may talk to somebody else and they may give you different advice or they may say, where did you get, who told you this? And you say, well, this is one guy, talent jockey, his name's Sean. And they may say, no, no, he's wrong. Don't do that. Okay, that's not best practice or, you know, that's not going to work. And that's fine. Um, everybody's going to have an opinion. And I always tell people this and that's okay. So take what will work for you and what won't. Um, we'll go into a little bit more detail about what I think about people's opinions. But, you know, consider where it's coming from, first of all. Um so let's get back into that. Um, first of all, resume, number one rule, you have to be the one to write it. So there are services out there um, that will help you write your resume. Some will even write it for you. They'll ask a bunch of questions and then they'll put it together for you. I'm a big advocate of not, uh, so I, I plan on doing some workshops. And one of the things that I'm not going to do is write somebody's resume. Um, and I've, I've conveyed that to other individuals and I, and I think a lot of people know that and I haven't had anybody say, Hey Sean, would you write it for me? Um, it might've happened once in which I say, no, I really can't. It has to come from you because it has to be your voice and your accomplishments. And you're going to know if you write it, if somebody questions you on it, what you were thinking when you wrote it or put that down on paper. And that's really important. If I wrote it, and I said, and I was a person interviewing you, and I had it in front of me, using it as an interview guide. And I said, I see that you worked at XYZ Company, and you were you held this title, um, and you listed this accomplishment. Can you tell me why you listed that particular accomplishment? And if you wrote it, you're going to know why. If you didn't write it, you'll probably know about the accomplishment, but you'll kind of, you may kind of 
wonder why you that somebody else actually put it down on the paper for you. So it's really important, one, that you write the resume yourself. It's, it's Just trust me on that. Um, I, and by the way, I am not a big fan of resumes. I, I don't like writing them myself. Um, some may say, well, Sean, you know, even, you know, one thing that I, I wonder is, are they even necessary anymore? Because some may say that it's it's not. Um, currently, I mean, geez, we're... 2014, we're still using resumes? Yes, we are. Um, and it's easy. I should say this too. It's used for a guide to get through some of your background and your experience, which really helps. Now, LinkedIn is the digital version. Um, some would say somebody could just use LinkedIn. Excuse me. And there are actually some um, applicant tracking systems that will accept LinkedIn as your resume. So you would submit your LinkedIn profile, which is nice. So I think the resume is going to change probably in format and how it's submitted going, you know, in the future. But I still think there's going to be an underlying need to know what you've done, who you've done it for, and how well you did it. Um, and that's what this is about. So whether you take this and put it in your LinkedIn profile, which I would encourage you to do, uh, or on a resume, great. The biggest change nowadays is that you probably don't have to put it on, you know, threaded heavyweight resume paper, right? Because we'll just print it on a copier if we need to. So that's probably the one big change in the resumes over the years. So um, we are still using it in the industry. I don't think it's going to go around, go away anytime soon, although the format in which it's submitted may change, but it's still going to have some key things included in that document. All right, so cover letter. I'm not going to talk about the cover letter. I'm not going to go into it um, because this is about resumes. But somebody say, well, what about a cover letter? Do I need to do that? Should we, are we skipping that? Uh, some people in the industry will say a cover letter is much more important than a resume. Some, like myself, will say, I don't want to read a cover letter. I just want to get to your work experience and what you've done. Some may say, well, isn't that included in the cover letter? So I don't want to get into that right now. We're going to skip that. I've had people screw up cover letters. They'll, they'll use the same one over and over and they'll change the employer and the, te- the role, but all the body will stay the same. What ends up happening if they do it that way, they'll forget to change something like the employer. So the first few mentions will list the correct employer and then the last mention won't. And then I'll read that and go, whoa, I see this was for company XYZ. Um, and they just, they sent it there and then they changed it for us, but forgot to change the last mention of our name. Um, and yeah, that just, that does not look good for the individual. So skipping cover letter for now. So before you write your resume, write down your, get down your work history. You should always, again, I know we should always have it up to date. Not, not many of us do. I get it. I'm just as terrible as anybody out there about it, but you should always have an updated resume. And the nice thing is, cause that way you won't forget what month you were employed and what month you left this position to go to that position, what have you. So the first thing you want to do is list the organization and the time that you were there under what particular role, right? So some of us have been in multiple roles at one organization. Make sure you break those out into that time. And then also what you want to do is list your accomplishments. And we'll go into that in just a second. Um, And then, so once you have that down, you can start kind of writing them into the resume format. Again, you can go to uh, talentjockey.com forward slash job seeker resources and there are three resume templates that you can take advantage of right now 
So, and you can Google, Google a lot of those and find a lot more of them by all means. So the first thing you want to do, write out those accomplishments and the time and the roles that you've had at what organization. Getting into the resume format, starting at the top to, and then go to the bottom. Um, and this is general. Uh, this can change, but this is just some guidance for you. The order of the sections may or may not matter, right? Some of them, well, they do matter, I think, depending on your particular situation. So, for example, the sections, when I, define, when I say sections, I'm talking about a section for work experience, a section for education, a section for certifications, a section for affiliations. So those are like main chunks of information in your resume and should be called out appropriately. If you're a recent college graduate and you don't have a ton of work experience in the field that you're going to be applying to, you'll probably want to put education at the top because that's one of your major accomplishments is is getting your undergraduate or your master's degree and you don't have a ton of work experience in the field. That's not going to be the same for somebody who's been working in the field for 15 or 20 years and has that education. They're going to put that down at the usually at the bottom or after experience. Okay, so it's going to change. Be flexible. So starting out, um, then also, how do you determine whether you're going to use chronological or functional? So if you're not if you're not aware of the difference between the two, chronological is just that. It's really your work experience, um, most recent at the top. I've seen people do it the opposite. Drives me crazy. Most recent at the top, and then going back through the years. All right, so that's chronological by date and when it's happening, right? Hence the word chronological. Functional is another one that you can use. I'm not a big fan of the functional. However, I do see its purpose, and I've actually done one myself for me. And I'll tell you when you usually will use a functional resume. It's usually when you want to highlight three to four different specific areas or talents that you have but may not apply to every role that you've had so for or most recent role that you've had for example I'm a, re, I'm a recruiter and I apply to a manager of recruiting position now in my current role I may not have a lot of my leadership in there right I'm a I'm usually maybe a solo in the trenches person, more operational, more tactical. I'm not leading a team. So how do I get to a manager position without, with, and if I go chronological, they're going to go, yeah, I don't see any management you know, experience. Now, they may go back far enough and see that, and I will highlight it back far enough. But if it's really the emphasis of the position, so for example, maybe the job description or posting says, um, we're looking for somebody with leadership, management, and recruiting experience and the ability to take the recruiting function forward into the future, right? So vision. Then what you'll want to do is list that, break those functions out, like leadership, management, recruiting, vision, or strategy. And then you take all your work experience, not necessarily chronologically, right? You're taking the bits and pieces out of each role that you've had in, in the management piece, the leadership piece, the recruiting piece, and the vision or strategy and putting it in those different sections. And those will not have dates assigned to them. They're just stating that you have those and how and what accomplishments you've had in those particular areas. And then at the bottom, you'll list your employers chronologically 
by year date and title. Okay. So actually organization, title, year and date, right? So then it's just one line for each one of those, but the functional areas will be highlighted and more elaborate. So that's, so functional, you'll probably use more if you're making more of a change from your current role. Okay. And you need to highlight the different traits that are going to be applicable to that new role. Okay. Hope that helps. Talk about length. So, um, still one page is and any, if it's over one page, is it still taboo? Not necessarily, but you really got, you really have to say to yourself, should this be two pages with the information that's on there? Don't make it two pages and just to fill two pages. Make sure it's relevant. Make sure it's impactful. And if it happens to go to two pages, great. Some executive high-level management will have more than two pages simply because what they have to outline in their resumes may need to flesh out much more detail. So they may have to say when they took over a particular role, the current state of affairs, and then what they did to change or transform that particular area, organization, etc. And in doing that, you really can't do it in a particular in one bullet. Maybe they have to outline, you know, the project that was involved in making that happen. How many people? What was the budget? What was the goal? What was the you know original issue? How did they resolve that issue? That can get into some detail, and a, a short paragraph can take up quite a bit of space in a resume. And if you go back a few different roles, you're, it's not going to take long for them to get into much more than one page. So it depends on the roles you've had. But a lot of folks that don't have a ton of experience, um, looking at you college grads, or folks that um, if you, yeah, if you can, I think you can still be very impactful with one page. Two pages was probably tops. I, I think I don't think I have a resume that goes past two pages. I've been working for quite a while. So let's get into the format itself. Starting at the top, um, the header. So I call it the header. It's where you have your name, put your name nice, proud, centered. Um, sometimes they'll put it off to the left. That's fine. Um, and then on the right-hand side, they may put their phone number, email, and then their address. I typically put my name front and center, and then underneath that, I'm all on one line. I put my email, my phone number, and then my city and state. I don't put in my physical address. I just don't think you need it nowadays. I don't need people to know where I live. If I live in a good part of town or a bad part of town, I just live in Madison, um, Wisconsin, and that's, that's all they need. Some may say, well, why even put city and state? Well, if you apply to a position outside the state, it automatically tells the recruiter, hey, I'm outside the state. I'm not in the local neighborhood. They can determine whether they need to talk to you to elaborate on that or not. And I'll say why they would or would not. If there's no relocation included, they may just say, well, there's no relocation included, blah. Or when they talk to you, they can say, I understand you're in Madison. The position is here in Ohio. We aren't going to pay relocation. How are you going to handle that? Well, I have family there. I'm going to be getting there no matter what. Then it's a dialogue. Well, when will you be here? And then the recruiter can make that judgment on behalf of the hiring manager or the hiring manager, and they can inform the hiring manager, and they can make the decision based on your circumstances. All right? I think that 
So I think we sum that up. City, state, what have you. Um, objective, objective, uh, I leave off, right? My goal is to get into a position for as a blah, 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 you know, oh, I don't know. I'm my position. I, my goal is to land a, cha- you know, into a challenging position as a, an account manager where blah, 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 where I can utilize my skills. To me, it's just fluff. If you're applying to a particular position, it doesn't really matter what the objective is. You know, maybe I read it and say, well, that, that's their objective. They're not going to get it here, which is just don't even put it there. It's a waste of time and space. Um, you have a whole line that you can use for something else. Summary, a little bit different um, than objective. Now, this is uh, this will be, you know, a call you have to make if you want to include summary on your resume. So the summary is, you know, a 30-second elevator pitch that you would you know, run into a hiring manager and they'd say, tell me a little bit about yourself professionally. And you can put that in there. Now, keep in mind, I tell people in their work history to only go back 10 years. If you put in your summary, you only go 10 years in your experience, but in your summary, you say, I'm a highly qualified professional of 25 years. You're kind of contradicting what the purpose is of only going back 10 years. And that's really to prevent any ageism. And if you're not familiar with ageism, it's just a it's a protect age is a protected class in the U.S. and you don't want to discriminate against age. So that's why I say only go back ten years in your work experience. And if you do that, don't list more in your summary. Um, and a summary has to be, I think, somewhat of, of an impact. Um, I'm fifty fifty on the summary because I think if it's well written, you can include it as long as it's not huge length. You know, I'm not talking a book for a summary, right? It should be very brief to the point. You know, I am a uh, highly regarded recruiting professional with 10 years plus of experience um, working in teams of one to two people to teams of five to 10. You know, I've generated revenue in excess of a million dollars over a one year's time, blah, 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 blah. I was recognized, you know, as a leading achiever, what have you short, sweet to the point, something that really kind of pops and that's it. Okay. Summary. So take it or leave it. If you got a good one, great. If you don't leave it off, then getting into work experience. So I say work experience. So the order of the sections are going to change because again, if you're a recent graduate, you don't have a lot, you probably want to put your education first, but let's going into work experience. Again, only go back 10 years. I had an individual at a college fair or a job fair at a local college come up to me and I said, yeah, how how are you doing? Has an IT background, which was my forte. He says, uh, I said, can I see your resume? And he provides it. And it went back to 1976. Now, when I was talking to him, it wasn't 1980. Okay. This was like 2012. And he went back to 1976. And before I even read any of it, I just said, can I give you a piece of advice? Sure. I said, just go back 10 years, take all this other stuff off. And he said, no, no, I want to keep it on there because it shows how much experience I have in this particular field. And I said, okay, that's fine. But what is the relevance of what you've done in 1976? Well, I could still do it. Well, then that's, that should be incorporated in your most recent, right? Well, yeah, I could see what you're saying, but I really want to keep it on there. Shows, shows my depth. And I said, you know, okay, so when I started out this podcast, this episode, I mentioned to you about advice. 
this individual is talking to a recruiter who reviews resumes, you know, tens, hundreds a day. Um, and he was very vehemently opposed to, re, you know, removing that 1976 experience. And it's probably going to keep him back from getting a job because somebody's going to discriminate against him. Uh, I really, I, I believe that. I just, it's going to happen. Somebody in their brain is going to go, we need somebody that's got, you know, energy and blah, blah, blah. And then you says 1976, it's just not going to, it's not going to ring through, even if it's not the case and not true. Um, so don't do that. And so take it from what it's worth, right? He's not talking to a friend of his. He's not talking to a hiring manager. He's talking to a recruiter um, that's giving him that, that feedback. I don't know. You know, maybe you go back 15. You know, I, I can maybe see that, but I mean, Holy cow, you're talking like more than 35 years? No. Um, so what if you've been at a place for more than 10 years, right? How do you only list back 10 years? Well, again, it's flexible. Um, if you, you know, it's 2014 now, you go back 10 years, but you started at the organization in 20 uh, or 2002, then just put 2002 and then break out the different roles you've had by the years. It's not a big deal. All right. So uh, what you want to do in experience, you list the organization name, title, and the years. And the years and the date, right? Date format should be consistent throughout the doc. I get a lot of people that lose sight of that. They'll start out and they'll say Jan 2010 to present. The next one they'll say Mar whatever to October. And they'll spell out the whole word October, all right, so if you're going to use short, the short version of the month, then do it throughout the whole, the whole document. If you're going to use numbers, then use the numbers in the same format, okay? So if you use 01-2014, then great, or slash. Make sure it's always the same on every one you use, okay? Um, they should all align. The dates should all align on the right-hand side in a margin, so again, look at the templates I have out there. And then, of course, the work experience uh, organizations should all align. The title should all align um, all the way down. They should have the same tab indents all the way down. So if you have to go back and edit something and it pushes something, make sure you bring it back again, okay? Uh, make sure that alignment really runs smoothly and flows. Also, with the formatting, uh, touching on that, Make sure that you change up some of the formatting. Different size fonts, bold, italicize. It prevents it from being just this big wall of text. So if everything, I mean, write up your document, do it all in one format, right? Write it all using Arial font and then all the same size and then look at it. Then go back and change all the titles uh, or all the organization's names, bold. Change all the titles to italicize. And then um, see see the difference that it how it appeals and breaks things out a little bit and makes it easier to read. You'll see it. I guarantee it'll be really um, a much better read for everybody, including yourself. You'll notice the difference. Okay, so experience uh, accomplishments. Uh, you want to list your accomplishments. Oh, as you as at, at your if you're using chronological, the most recent employer you have should have more accomplishments um, than you would have going backwards in your work experience. So for example, say you worked in 2010 in an employer and then you worked in, so every year you change jobs, just say for example. 
the employer that you had in 2010 should have less amount of accomplishments than you have listed for your current employer or your current, your most recent employer. So most recent would maybe have four, three to five, maybe, maybe five's getting higher, but three to five, four would be a sweet spot. Your next one may have two to four, maybe three be in the sweet spot and then so on and so on. And then, so for example, when I go back 10 years, that employer that I have listed, I don't list any accomplishments. I just list the employer. Okay. The next one I list a couple and the next one I list three and the next one I list four. Because you want to highlight the most recent as being the most impactful. And when you list accomplishments in those bullets, um, so when I say accomplishments, somebody will say it, return on investment statements, um, something to that, impact statements. You want them to be, you want them to have numbers. You want them to be impactful. You're going to be submitting your resume to people that should already know what you are what you do is kind of your day-to-day routine. Customer service. I answer phones. I take orders. I fill out things in a computer, submit uh, corrections if needed, review um, the process and documentations for accuracy, customer-centric, uh, courtesy, blah, blah, blah. Yes, that should be for anybody in customer service, right? But if you take yourself, here's how I put it to some individuals I speak to. If you and another individual in your department right now or in your most recent employer, have the exact same job, and you do the exact same thing every day, and you've been there the exact same amount of time. So you're both hired on the same date, right? So there's no experience difference. And it's the only job either one of you have had. If somebody says, I did X, Y, and Z, right? Every day I answered a phone, I put in orders into a computer system, reviewed them for accuracy, um, worked with two other teams to make sure that product was shipped out in a timely manner from a customer service perspective, um, empathized with customers over the phone via an 800 number. And that was one person and they put that on their resume. And then the other person yourself puts down, or you put that on your resume. And then the other person says, I fielded a hundred calls a day. I was the number one um, customer service representative in our department Um, with the highest amount of call volume at 100 per day, where the average was 85 per day. I shipped out six international orders each week, and the department average was three. And I kept my error count below X or Y when the average was this. Who is going to, who would you want to talk to? Right? The numbers are impactful. Make sure that you flesh those out. That's what I'm talking about. So how, how, how you either save the company time or money. And if you save time, it equates to money. So you just have to spell it out and put some context around it. Also, if you talk about the organization, being the number one recruiter in a 10-person department is different than being a number one recruiter in a two-person department. So make sure you put context there. And if there isn't a impactful context, then just leave it off and you could put it in the, the, you know, I was the top recruiter. And then they say, well, you were the top recruiter? Great. How many people? Two. You can tell them that in the interview. Don't miss, and one thing, don't mislead anybody. Don't lie. Don't fake anything on your resume. Be truthful. And you can quantitate things. And if, you know, you can figure it out. It's not that hard. Um, you just had to put some thought into it. So accomplishments, that's what I want to talk about. That's what accomplish, what I mean accomplishments, that's what I'm talking about. 
Um, so moving on, education. If you're a recent graduate, list the dates. Recent graduate I'll define as having graduated anywhere within the last couple years. Maybe three. Depends on how much your work experience you have. If you've graduated outside of that, don't put the, the years that you graduated. Just list that you have the degree, the type of degree, and then the actual college. Um, and you may want to put the location of the college if it's not known. Maybe it's a Division two or three school. Um, but that's it. You don't need to put the years. The fact that you have it's good enough. Um, should you list training under education? That's a call, a tough call. You could. Um, you could put total education and then the different trainings that you've had. If you have additional trainings in their actual formal training, like, you know, for example, in recruiting, we have AIRS. In IT, we have SANS, which is an organization that provides training. So we, you can list the government, governmental body of that training because folks in the industry will actually recognize that versus, you know, I had uh, training on information security awareness. Okay, great. But who was it through? Because that will kind of uh, determine how legitimate that training was, right? I did training brown bag lunches, but you're not going to put, I got training on social media from Sean Kelly. You're, you know, so that's not real formal training um, that I wouldn't put on a resume, okay? Affiliations, uh, another section you can put on there. There's condo boards, uh, condo associations. I was on the board, um, so I listed that, and I put the years down. Um, trade organizations, um, PMI for project managers, um, has that there's and you you'll list the years if you I would say list the years if you're no longer going but you had an impactful role uh, in that organization so maybe you were on the committee maybe you were on the board then I would put that down and then the years if you're not active so if I say well a member of the .NET users group if I if you're not currently a member then and you're not going to meetings then don't put it on there. Um, so be active if you're going to put it on there is what I'm talking about. Awards. Um, if you've gotten some good awards, sometimes those can be in your accomplishments and, you know, awarded this because of that, right? Or if you have a whole separate section because you're just an award, I mean, you've got tons of them and for specific reasons. If they're really awesome, you know, say I was in media, right? I know a news local news celebrity and she, if she gets a, Emmy Award, I mean, I would expect that to be on her resume and up front, even at the top, maybe, you know, Emmy Award, um, news anchor for this doing this, right? So if it's a big impactful award, great. But if it's something like you got a pat on your back, meh, you may want to, you know, keep that off or keep it at the bottom. Certifications, um, it depends on the role that you're applying to. If it applies, I've had a couple different roles. So if I apply to a position and I put on, you know, an IT specific um, certification, but it's not an IT role, I may not put it on there. Um, so keep that in mind when you're putting awards on there. Certification, or I'm sorry, certifications. Also, if you want to put the um, the the certification um, acronym on you know, right after your name or designation after your name, you can certainly do that at the top, right? So Sean P. Kelly, um, you know, CIR or A plus or net plus or whatever um, designation goes along with that. Somebody will recognize that right away, which is nice. Uh, hobbies. I'm not a big fan of putting hobbies on the resume. I think you can bring that up in an interview 
um, tell me a little bit about yourself, go into keeping it professional, and at the end maybe throw in a sentence or two um, to kind of personalize yourself. Stay away from protected class stuff like uh, I'm married. It's it's a judgment call because I think some people, it's just, I think uh, sometimes we get caught up of being so professional that it takes away from the personal side of the individual. And I think with just kind of saying, hey, I've been married to my wife for 14 or and I've known her for 17 years and we own four cats, I think it just makes it a human being. So make it a judgment call. Uh, I do think, you know, if you say, hey, I'm a tabletop gamer, that's what I like to do on the side. It's pretty fun. It's a hobby I've had for, you know, 20 years. Then it stays away from the protected class stuff, which I'll touch on in just a second. But I also, you know, you also want it to be, you know, hobbies I wouldn't put on the resume. I really wouldn't. All right. So what not to, what to not include, what not to, don't put this on your resume, I should say. All right. Anything that falls under protected class. So here in the U.S., we have federal laws that list characteristics of a person that cannot be targeted for discrimination. They cannot be targeted. However, you should not put these on your resume to be targeted. Um, One is race. One is color, religion, national origin, age. And with a caveat, in the U.S., you got to be 14 to work, uh, 14 years old. And it has limitations up until the age of 16. So that's something an employer is going to need to know just to abide by labor laws. Okay. Hopefully adults, parents, guardians are actually overseeing this for somebody that's younger and and trying to get into the workplace, maybe seasonal work. Moving on, sex, pregnancy, citizenship, familial status, disability, veteran, and genetic information. All right. Now, one tricky thing is um, it doesn't list politics on there, right? So politics is kind of a hot button. So it's not a protected class. So they could, you know, say, oh, he's a member of the Republican Party. Forget it. Whoop. Now, if you've worked for a government or a political party, what I would do is I would just list that worked for a major political party, your title and your years and what you did for them. Okay. Because the person that's going to read that, maybe it's not in politics. Maybe you're going into the private sector, but you know, there are people that get very heated about politics and people's political affiliations. If you submit your information and you put down Democrat, Republican, Green Party, Libertarian, it doesn't matter to me. I don't care. But if you put that on there and some hiring manager is just vehemently against anybody that's part of, you know, X party, don't give them that explanation. Just state that it's a party and this is what you did. So keeping it more professional than hitting anybody's personal buttons. Okay. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that other stuff is kind of a no brainer, but some people will put down that they are a minister at a particular church. That's a tough call. Uh, I can't discriminate against that, but I don't, you know, again, it goes back to the, the political discussion. Um, and I would put it only down if it's, you know, quote unquote professional experience or an affiliation. Like, you know, you're on the board of the church or the committee of the church that oversees something, something along those lines. So it's almost more professional than it is on the personal side of why you're actually there. 
Is that, I hope that makes sense. In some countries, so and going into some of the other things not to include as a picture, um, I have seen some CVs or foreign resumes that have had pictures of the applicant on there. Um, it may be more acceptable in other countries or required in other countries, um, not in the U.S. Don't put, don't put your picture on the resume. It's just not the way to go. Um, fluff. So what is fluff? Uh, if you can help um, when you put down your accomplishments and you're talking about what you've done, the, the fluff that I'm getting at is I was a, you know, uh, fantastic, energetic, customer centric. Now, some of those you can actually use and apply to your accomplishments, but you know, of course you're going to be, you're going to have some of those in your background, but don't fill your resume full of fluffy words, right? Make them more concrete, um, tangible, quantifiable. Okay. Typos is another thing that you don't want on your resume. Pay attention to detail when using the acronyms um, for your industry or words that won't typically be detected by a spell checker. I actually had that happen once. Um, I, I've sent over resumes. Hire managers will say, I've seen, you know, there's typos, forget it, throw it away. Um, I've actually been on the receiving end of that where I got into an interview and the person pulled me aside and said, hey, I don't know if you know this, but you had this acronym wrong but I wanted to let you know about it. I'm like, oh my goodness, thank you so much. I probably didn't get like three jobs because I didn't even realize the acronym was spelled incorrectly. But he was nice enough to oversee that um, and get want to get more detail about me, my background. Uh, so typos. The thought there, why is everybody so anal about typos and grammar is the next one, is because if you're not paying atten- enough attention on one single document, how are you going to pay enough attention to your job over a span of months and years? And it'll probably snowball. So take your time, make sure you get multiple people to read your resume and review that for those things. All right, references. Don't put your references on your resume. It's going to take up space that you don't need. They're not necessary. Some will actually put down references available upon request. Don't put that on there because of course you're going to, if I wanted them and asked them, you're going to have to, you're going to be prepared to do that anyway. So don't put it on your resume. It should be a no-brainer. You're going to give me references that are going to be awesome anyway. So um, just uh, to note on that, be prepared to actually supply references down the road and clear it with them. All right? Reach out to the references. Make sure you can use them. Say, hey, I was wondering if it's okay. Get their permission and let them know when they may or may not be contacted by certain individuals from companies. Okay? That's important. All right? And then I mentioned the political affiliations, you know, keep it professional if you can. But I think that's pretty much all I have to say in one episode covering resumes without an actual physical, physical visual um, to reference. And what we may do down the road is uh, I'm going to set up some workshops um, where it may be you know, one-on-one workshop or maybe include three to five people critiquing each other's resumes and how to make them better. Because the key to the resume is to get you an interview. And if you're not getting an interview, there's an issue with your resume. It could be the formatting. It could be the impact statements are lacking. Um, but yeah, I, I'm telling you, the quantification of stuff is stuff. The quantification of some of the things you've done and accomplishments will get you an interview. I guarantee it. Um, 
I've had some people submit me more of the fluffy resumes and say, hey, I've done this, I've done that. And I said, well, great, how have you done that? What was the impact of doing it that well? They changed a few things, put in some percentages, some time saving, bringing things down, um, you know, inefficiencies. People love that and they will talk to them and want to learn more about that. Uh, so one thing before signing off, uh, if you do find Talent Jockey to be a good resource for individuals, uh, job seekers, recruiters, or hiring managers, do me a favor. Um, go out on iTunes and lead us, uh, leave us a review. Uh, it does bubble us up to the top and gets us uh, some added exposure and it gets people um, gets you know, noticed by other individuals, which will help. Um, but I think that's it. I appreciate you listening to Talent Jockey. Have a good rest of your day.